Pick a boy born and raised in New Jersey on Springsteen and a Southern California beach bum raised in the 60s and what do you get? Do what you like with Tom Cavanaugh and Bob Telford. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Do What You Like. I'm Bobby T. I'm here in Ventura, California. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Tom Cavanaugh, who is in Edison, New Jersey. Tommy, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you, my friend? Good, thank you. Another day in the great West. So before we get this thing started, a couple things. Um... I want to remind all of our listeners to check out all of our podcasts. They're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, FM Player. We've had a variety of guests who are enjoying their careers in a wide array of occupations. All of them have had incredible stories that you can listen to and draw inspiration from. So please check those out. And you can also visit us at our website, which is www.dowhatyoulike.biz. And now let's get into um, our guest for today. I got a question for you, Tommy. As a kid, did you, were you a tinkerer? Did you play around in the garage and try and make stuff? No, I have no construction skills whatsoever. I, I tried. I, I do not succeed. My mom and her side of the family can make beautiful woodwork. They can make beautiful uh furniture that i've seen them do it i have no skill in that whatsoever yeah all i know is when i was a kid if i wanted something like one day i said you know i want to i want an airplane so i'd get wood and there was a pile of wood on the side of the house and i'd start nailing them together and and unfortunately when i was done with it 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 was not going to do anything it's not certainly wasn't going to fly and so you know projects like that but um we're very lucky because today's guest is one of those guys that took those skills and put them to work and he's uh, he made a career out of it. So um, our guest today is a filmmaker and an entrepreneur. He spent more than 30 years in the media inter- industry producing TV series, commercials, documentaries and feature films. To date, he has received 18 Let me say it again. 18 industry awards for excellence and distinction in production. Fantastic. Yep. In 1991, he created New Rule Productions and has been involved with TV and video production since. At a very early age, uh, since a very early age, I should say, then he went on to form a, a new company called Smash Props, which is a line of breakaway props born out of his love of building, creating, and inventing. Throughout his career in the TV film industry, he has fabricated and built many types of effects and props for countless productions. And when he's not on set, you can find him in the shop developing new techniques, props, and exciting special effects. In his time away from the prop and film video productions, he enjoys being a husband and a dad, His passion for creativity and learning has allowed him to build a successful business from his creative ambitions. Please welcome to Do What You Like, Ryan C. Johnson. Ryan, welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for this. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is really fascinating because I mentioned, as I mentioned, you know, um, in in the beginning there, you know, I used to have fun playing around in the garage. And I know a lot of kids, you know, had dreams, you know, whether it was – Doing what I described or building models, you know, or things like that. Um, but you actually kept at it. 
And now you have created this incredible business. And I got to tell you, when I went on your website, I was impressed because at first I thought breakaway bottles, you know, you know, all those things. And yet you're uh, the the amount of products that you have and the wide variety of product. It's incredible. But let's get to the beginning here. So you've been in uh, you've been doing this since you were a young man. How did it all started for you? So um, <clears throat> my my love of production and entertainment really started uh, very early on, thanks to uh, my dad, who was um, he was an engineer out at Vandenberg Air Force Base and worked you know literally as a rocket scientist. But he was also a tinkerer and always had projects going on. He bought you know a lot of the very early computers. Um, was also an avid amateur photographer. And so we always had a lot of cameras laying around. And um, when the first uh, video cameras came out, my dad bought one of those. And so we had a home video camera system. And, and so I ended up, you know, finally convincing him to allow uh, myself and my younger brother, Darren, to to play with this, you know, during the summer and after school and stuff like that. So we put, picked up that camera and I couldn't put it down. I enjoyed shooting stuff. And, you know, these projects were kind of all over the place, whether they were, um, <clears throat> you know, taking our model cars and smashing them and burning them into pieces and doing all kinds of stuff like that. But I just really enjoyed the process of being able to use my imagination to create something that never existed. And whether that was for whether that was in front of the camera, whether that was, um, you know, performing uh, in, in my bedroom for my parents, you know, using like flashlights and with the music track going on, just always trying to figure out a way to create some sort of interesting visual entertainment. And um, yeah, I started my production company in 1991 did a lot of TV commercials and, and local projects and stuff like that. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And then, as you mentioned in the intro, um, I kind of started a side hustle called Smash Props, which was just making a few breakaway bottles here and there. And that uh, eventually evolved into New Rule Effects, which is the special effects arm of my production company and is now, you know, my main thing, I guess you could say it's a, I still do production work, but new rule effects is pretty much my uh, daily project. And that is uh, encompassing all different types of uh, special effects props and supplies for the motion picture and television industry. Right Now, where did you grow up? Because I think if I recall, you weren't actually based in Los Angeles when you first started all of this, you were outside of LA, I think further North, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I grew up on the Central Coast in Santa Maria. And, oh, great. Uh, I know yeah, the area real well. Yeah, so, um, you know, really great opportunity to do all kinds of fun things there on the Central Coast. And uh, I was really fortunate to be in, in uh, a high school video production program that was uh, very new at the time through the regional occupational program. And they had kind of a hands-on video production class. And one of the things that we did was create a morning news program that would basically serve as the daily bulletin. And so that was like a live or live to tape recorded uh, news broadcast. And I really loved doing segments for that. And then, of course, directing it. And then we started creating these things we called action openers, which we convinced the video, uh, 
the video instructor to allow us to create these little vignettes at the beginning of the show to open the show. And so we would run around and play cops and robbers and blow things up and do all kinds of crazy stuff that you absolutely could not do in this day and age. <laughs> but we learned a lot about how to make films very quickly and cheaply. And, um, you know, with the technology starting to come up with video, uh, we were able to do some of these things. And then that love just kind of um, proceeded through uh, my college and, and my professional career. Where did you go to college? I went to college at Allen Hancock College, which is a um, a junior college in Santa Maria as well. Yeah, yeah, and, I know. And, uh, yeah, right, you know, straight out of college, I started my business, and it kind of took off so fast. I kind of didn't look back. And what was the? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tommy. What was the project that took you into a business? Because <clears throat> you don't necessarily come out of college and go into production, let alone this amazing business you founded. So how did that, how did that turn? How did you make that turn? So, you know, I kind of always had that entrepreneurial spirit and even in junior high, I was thinking of ways like, how can I make money doing this and doing that all through high school? Like I had a DJ pro a, a DJ business where I do like light shows and DJ gigs for uh, our high school and other schools. Um, and I was doing video production projects all throughout high school. As a matter of fact, I worked on a state initiative <clears throat> called Proposition 98, which was a, a big a big political in initiative that was done. And so by the time I was going to college, I was pretty much already on the career path. Um, I graduated from, from high school in 90, and my business started in 91. So it was kind of <clears throat> happening all at the same time as going wow, to college. Yeah, yeah, you didn't waste any time. You hit the ground running. I did. Now, I how, did. <laughs> you, how, how are you able to, because doing it in Santa Maria, you know, it's there's a big difference between doing what you were doing there in Santa Maria, which for those who don't know, it's a nice little small town in the, in the central it? coast, agricultural primarily, um, although, of course, the whole wine industry has, has changed it, uh, you know, in terms of what it has to offer. But how did you take it from Santa Maria to being now a a pretty uh, well-respected uh, effects house in, in Los Angeles? That That's a big jump. You know, it's it's it was always something that I had planned to do, but I kept getting sucked back onto the Central Coast. You know, my video production program or company in the Central Coast got pretty big and we were one of the major players in the area for, you know, all the Central Coast. And we work with some really great advertising agencies and doing a lot of that work. And more and more, I would pull like crew and equipment rentals and stuff like that from LA. And I found myself going back and forth um, to LA quite a lot. But the thing that really kind of pushed me over the edge was the development of a TV series that I created called American Dragster. And that was a television show that ran on ESPN for a couple of seasons and wow. went out and toured all over the U.S. with the NHRA Top Fuel uh, drag racing program and kind of did a show that talked about, you know, what it was like to be a part of that sport. And so, um, you know, in the middle of production of that, I was spending a lot of time either in hotels or couch surfing on other crew members, couches or whatever. So I spent a lot of time in L.A., um, and getting really, you know, getting used to navigating and knowing the ins and outs of, of the industry in L.A. And then um, right around 2010, uh, I met uh, my wife, Sarah, 
she was my wife at the time. Obviously, that would have been kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, and we were talking and she worked on the Central Coast. And I, it's like every time I was getting ready to move to L.A., I'd, I'd end up getting into a relationship with somebody on the central coast. And I'm like, Oh, now I got to stay. Cause here I am with her. And then those would that fall apart. And then I got with Sarah and I said, geez, you know, I really need to go to LA. It's kind of where I need to be. It's where I need to go. It's the next step in my uh, evolution. She's like, yeah, cool. No problem. I can get a job in LA. No problem. You know? And, and literally a couple of weeks later, she's like, yeah, I've got an interview, um, you know, for an advertising agency uh, down there. And so I'm going to go check it out. And that was it. I mean, we just, with her help and, you know, support, it made that transition to LA much easier. What year did you open up in LA? I'm sorry. What year did you open up in LA? Oh, uh, we, we moved in 2012. The full facility made the move down to, to LA. We basically took like a year to do it. We started a, we took, we moved the special effects operation out of like my garage in Santa Maria into um a facility so we could kind of start figuring out what kind of a footprint we needed and what type of machinery so that when we went to la we weren't going in cold so we did that for about a year i think and then we made the trip down here to la and uh started with a like a two unit building and now we're up to six units in the same building we just keep hopping every time somebody moves out we keep grabbing another piece of it so it's so, growing and growing so but you're 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 doing the production and then at what point did you make that leap into the the props the the breakable props and whatnot uh how did that come about yeah it was kind of weird because i you know I'd always, I've always been a person that really enjoyed working with my hands and, and especially doing like makeup effects and, you know, doing latex and masks and fake wounds and scars and things like that. And so I learned the, the, the kind of the art of mold making and casting pretty early on, like back in high school. Mm -hmm. And then for, you know, projects that I was working on here and there, I would, um, you know, I would have a need for a prop and if I couldn't get it or find it, especially being on the central coast, you had to improvise. Mm. So a lot of that improvisation turned into, uh, a really good ground level, basic education for the work that I do today. Um, you know, you mentioned being, you know, in the garage or whatever with your, with your dad and tinkering and playing and all that kind of stuff. You know, my dad, being an engineer, we had a garage just full of all kinds of electronic stuff and just just buckets and baskets full of parts and pieces. And he was always taking electronics apart, putting it back together. And he kind of kept a little shoebox size wooden box full of just random discarded electronic parts and motors and lights and batteries and things like that. That when I was very, very young, he's like, yeah, just play with those. And so I'd take them apart, put them back together and do all that kind of stuff. And then I discovered the hot glue gun. <laughs> and for for one of the movies that i made all through high school was called operation revenge and, and it was just the most craziest thing and it took us years to do because we just didn't really have a plan we just kept building onto this movie but one of the things we did is we took our clubhouse and turned it into the secret lab and it was literally like walls and walls full of uh, electronic component components just hot glued down to make it look like it was you know, the inside of a, 
I don't know, nuclear reactor or something like that. It was, it was really how fun. Old were you, how old were you when you did that? Uh, I was, this is like junior high, right. probably. Yeah, right. I was really yeah. young. But Wow, that's amazing. And so it, it one thing led to another. Sounds like, you know, you said improvisation, but it's like a DIY attitude. It's yeah. like, well, I don't have one here. I have to make it. Yeah. And so you have, it sounds like you have that essence in you that, well, if it doesn't exist, then I've got to make it as opposed to, well, if it doesn't exist, I guess there isn't one. We're not going to have one, you know, because that's what most people would do is that they would just kind of give up. But you you said, no, I'm going to make one. So you, you, you must have gone through a lot of, of trial and error. What was the first what was the first prop that you actually made? Oh, goodness. The first prop I actually made. I, no one's ever asked me that question. I don't even don't even know where to say well, that's that. what we're here first for one. yeah that's, that's we're, very we're interesting push the you, memory know, banks. <laughs> you know it was probably a model spaceship that was hanging off of a string for a home of course movie, you know and or a star wars figure you know something of that nature I, right. I was really into star wars and of course had all the action figures and all the play sets and stuff and so the, those were the, usually the subjects of most of my first home home movies yeah. and um yeah i think like a lot of us we would take out those little green army men and we would yep. end and stuff like that and then you start doing a little stop motion stuff yep. and then of course you've got to have the big battle scene so you take i used to grab my parents you know they were both smokers so they had the lighters the uh the uh Butane lighters. Uh, Zippo lighters. Okay. And so I would get the fluid and use the fluid to light the army men on fire and then do the ah, you know. <laughs> I, I I I I wonder how many green army men have been <laughs> in service of their own particular battles over right. the years. Right. Because it seems right. like every kid that had army men at least melted one or two of them down. So, so <laughs> the, thing, the thing about props though. <laughs> Especially, and, and I, I'm not the only one who had this experience. It's a mutual discussion with some other friends. We all started, and in my end of it, we all started in theater companies. You don't appreciate props until you're the prop master, until you have to find the props, until you have to create the props, and until you have to improvise the props. But you take it to the utmost level just looking at the website. Is this something that grabs you now? Do you do you think of things in terms of props? Like you're you're walking through an airport, you see a certain type of garbage can that would make a good. <laughs> so know, does this grab you that way? Because props is a, is it becomes a religion at some point. It it does, and and there's there's a there's a pretty big distinction in terms of the stuff that I do and the things that a prop master would do. A prop master is really you know given a script and then uh, is is tasked with going out to find all the things that an actor would hold or interact with, right? That's what defines a prop in, in the production industry, for those that don't know, is, right. is anything that an actor is going to pick up, hold, interact with, you know, do something with. If it's just a, you know, uh, a vase of flowers sitting, you know, in the background, that's set dressing. That's a different department. They're there to make everything look real, look lived in and, right. and create that flow. But the second the actor picks that up, it's a prop. And if he just sets it back down, no big deal. That's a, that's a vase you're going to probably rent at a prop house. You know, you'll go in and go, Oh, that's the right 
vase and they'll rent that for a couple of weeks and then they'll bring it back. But if that actor needs to take that vase and then smash it over another person's head and it breaks open, now we're talking about a special effects prop. And that's generally where we fall. And that's the category that I'm really passionate about is, is, is props that are interacting with the actor in a way that it has action or some sort of kinetic effect. Um, So breakaways are a big part of what we do. And those are props that are engineered to break easily, more easily and safely than the real thing. Obviously glass, ceramic. Uh, We do a lot of wood props as well, using like balsa wood and other materials, a lot of foam, things like that. So, you know, our main job at New Rule Effects is to keep actors safe. Um, We want to give them a dynamic sense of, uh, excitement in the scene. We want to make things look great and spectacular um, in service of the picture, but we also need to make sure that the actors and the crew are always safe. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, when you started out, you, you mentioned your dad was, he was a, did you say he was an engineer or a chemical engineer? He was a, he was like a, he was a data analytical specialist, right. but he was so, like, like an electrical engineer. Yeah. So in the process of doing all to, in the process of creating all these props, you've had to learn an awful lot about chemistry and, and some of the other dynamics that go into, for example, you know, I know, you know, breakaway glass. And if I'm not mistaken, when I was first introduced to breakaway glass, the, the bottles were made out of sugar. Is that correct? There's, Way, way back in the day, there were maybe some bottles that were made out of sugar, but and even though a lot of people call them sugar glass, most professional breakaway glass that is used at the, you know, the Hollywood level, if you, if you will, are all made from uh, different types of plastic resins and other mixes, depending on what we're trying to achieve. So how did you learn all of these different, because you do a bottle and then you're going to do a rubber brick and then you're going to do, you know, I mean, all these different, you How did you learn all of these, uh, how to do all these things? I'm just really stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's a good trait to have. It's just, uh, you know, the, the breakaway, uh, the breakaway glass is, is a, is a tricky one. You know, there's recipes on YouTube for how to make sugar glass and, and, you know, to a certain degree, you know, movie quality breakaway glass. But the real trick is just having the experience and understanding how you use molds and mold releases and all those different things to get you the, the quality that you want. Um, and there's only a handful of uh, us breakaway prop producers in the world, really. It's a very, very, very niche market. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's enough for us few companies to do it, but not much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of how to do it, I, you know, I did a lot of research um, looking through, you know, before like internet, really looking through books about early filmmaking techniques and special effects and anything I could learn. And then it just kind of, for the breakaway glass, I spent the better part of two years in the garage buying and mixing and trying new chemicals, understanding the, the chemicals. You know, once they started dialing it in, I started learning about you know, long chain molecules and hydrocarbon monomers and polymers and cross-linking and all this kind of stuff, trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to get the um, the performance that I want out of this plastic? It needs to be very brittle. It needs to break and shatter and look very hard and, um, you know, uh, dense 
and you also have to be able to see through it. But at the same time, it needs to be flexible enough so that it holds together. So you can, you know, hold it in your hand without it just exploding. So it's always walking that razor's edge of all these different things. Um, that's what makes the breakaway part of it. So know, if, uh, fun if, uh, and challenging. If a production company or, or, or just somebody venturing into their first film comes to you and wants uh, a set safe gun or an action prop or a knife sword prop, are they coming to you and getting kits or and they have to put it together? Or are they already made ready to go? Because I know some, I've had that experience where I thought I was buying the gun and I ended up having to make the gun. So, (laughs) yeah, so do they have to specify? How do you work with that? Generally, everything uh, that we sell is pretty much ready to go. The one exception to that would be some of our breakaway furniture. It might come in a few different pieces, like we won't have the legs on the tables so that they can be shipped flat. Um, So you'll just glue, glue, uh, glue the legs on the tables, you know, uh, assemble a couple pieces for the chairs, things of that nature. But basically these are props that are ready to go. And, and, you know, the timeline that we're working with, uh, for TV production and and film production is always like, they need this stuff really quick. So if we sent them something they had to assemble, they would not call back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's now the the thing that I said in the beginning, there was the variety, the number of different products that you offer. So, I mean, do you find yourself even with everything that you have, your your inventory, your selection, even with all that, do you still get a call for something that you don't have, and now you have to try and figure out how to make it? And because because almost daily, yeah, yeah, almost daily. And so now, now you what you have to do is you have to say to them, "Well, I can do it, but I need." X amount of time and whatnot. I mean, how do you calculate all that? Because I know, like, for example, <laughs> if you call a contractor, contractors will say, well, we can do it. It's going to cost you this much. It'll take me two weeks because they kind of already know. Right. I mean, that becomes it's the same for us. It, it really is. Because if somebody calls and says, hey, I need a rubber knife uh, and it's this hero that we're going to give you, you know, I, you know, that's something that's similar that we've done maybe not that exact thing, but I know we've made, you know, 20 other rubber knives or something like that. So I basically, I know how much silicone is going to take to make the mold. We have a pretty good idea. We can make a rough estimate how much material is going to take to make the actual thing, you know, in a few hours for painting and all that. So the first thing that I, you know, having the benefit of years of doing this now, I can just kind of think back to what have we done that's similar to try to get a sense of how easy or hard that was. So I can quickly figure out how many hours it's going to take. And then it's a, then from there, it's all calculation about materials cost and, and um, you know, what it's going to take. So the time is usually the biggest factor for us. When people call and say they need something custom, the, the next question I ask them is, when does this play? When do you have to have this on the set? Because that immediately tells me how detailed we can get with this, what type of process I need to use. Like, is this something that I can 3D print? Is it going to be cut on a laser? Is it going to be hand sculpted and then molded and cast? Are we going to just buy something on Amazon and make a rubber version of it? You know, all those things go are, are part of the consideration when we're working with somebody that's going to be using this on a project. Now, you you, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, doing a 3D printer or whatever. Obviously, technology, and, and it's funny because in some areas of the industry, technology is actually eliminating jobs. But in your case, 
you can actually take advantage of all that to new technologies. And so has it made your job easier to, to know that you can sit down to your computer and go, oh, I can do this, this and this? Because now that becomes an additional dimension to what you're actually doing. Um, does that present any challenges for you? Because obviously tinkering in the garage and putting things together and hot gluing and stuff like that. That's pretty much anybody can do that. But once you start getting into softwares and stuff like right. that, that takes Different level. a lot of knowledge. So, yeah, that, uh, you know, luckily I've always been been interested in both, you know, kind of the digital side of production as well as the, the real time, the real physical side. Um, I, I've had a 3D printer since one of the very first ones that came out. And we now have four that we use pretty much all the time and they're all resin printers. So they're really new technology and they work really well, but still it kind of comes down to me to be the one that programs it and does the design. And, and I've gotten to the point where I'm okay at it and I can get that stuff done and I can iterate pretty quickly. Um, does it, does it go faster? I don't know. You know, some stuff it does. Um, it's more precise. It feels though. like it just it just shifts the the time around from standing in the shop doing something and making sawdust versus that. It, it, it's all going to be the same amount of time. Just depends whether I'm going to be in front of a computer screen or out in the in the, in the actual shop. Right, when right. it comes to that digital type of work, that tends to fall on me more than most of my other fabricators because I kind of take on that stuff. Um, and then I have a whole crew. You know, they're working out there in the wood shop doing the the balsa wood stuff and then our foam fabricators and our glass fabricators and all of that. So what's, what's the, the process? Um, not just for you, but as the company and the experience uh, production company comes to you has an idea that nobody's <clears throat> done before. Where do you go first? Do you go to art and design and start to draw it or what's your process from the idea on? Yeah. So either a prop master or a special effects coordinator is going to come to us with a prop. And if it's, if it's something that's going to be used, like say in a fight scene, or it's, you know, it's has some dynamic element to it, or, which is why they're going to come to us because we're, you know, we do mostly special effects props. Um, the first conversation is, okay, how, how is this going to interact with the actor or other props or whatever? What does it need to do or not do? Um, how closely are you going to shoot it? How many times are you going to do this? Is this for like a movie where you're going to want three takes or is this for a theater show where you're going to have a run of, you know, six weeks and you right. need, you know, hundreds of them. Um, and then we'll talk about timeline to figure out, you know, what's realistic in terms of our deliverables to them, how quickly we need to get it to them. And then we talk about the actual thing. Okay. Is, does this exist in now or 30 years ago or in the future? Um, is this prop really worn out? Is this something brand new that just came off the shelf? And what's its history? Like what, one of the things that I really enjoy having the conversation about is, you know, where did this prop come from in the show? Where, what, what is its history? Oh, you know, wow. how's it been interacted with? Because all those little things really tell a story. You know, if I just gave you a brand new shiny object or whatever, you know, if it's like a, a, a walkie talkie, right. It's, it could just look brand new, but if it's kind of beat up around the edges and it's got dust and grime and all the little grooves and everything like that, that tells a different story. This is, right. this is something somebody's had. It's been out in the world. It's, you know, it's seen a lifetime. And, and um, what always amazes me, you know, 
our associates out in the world that do this kind of work is just the level of detail that goes into the props, the set dressing, the wardrobe, all that physical aspect of film, the filmmaking craft that sometimes you don't even see on screen. And a lot of times you don't actually, but it's all there and it all creates a really realistic world and an environment. And so we're just one tiny little part of that. You know, we kind of still have to tell those same stories, but our props also have to have that extra dimension and engineering built in so that um, they're going to be safe for the actors and the staff that are on the set. Now, obviously, you've had a lot of successes in in the time that you've been doing this. Is there any one thing that you finally found your this is the the, the, the I can't this is the Mount Everest and I, I'm not going to be able to climb it. Was there one thing that you were? Yeah, somebody stumped you. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, or did you just tell the people, stumped. you know, you, when you heard what they were asking, you go, gee, I'm sorry. That's not something that we could, you know, I don't think that's something we can make. Or, you know, what I was really looking for is you were trying and trying and there was just no solution to the to your client's problem. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's happened a lot. I'll have to think of an example. But while I'm thinking that, you know, there's a lot of times when people come to us and they'll ask for something. And, and usually the number one reason why we have to say no is there's just not physically enough time to get it done. You know, and I and I and my answer is. I just can't make physics go that, that, that fast in order to do it. You know, if it requires something to be molded and cast, well, there's just time for that silicone to set up. There's time for the urethane to cure and all that. And if they call me today and say they need something tomorrow and here's the thing and I need a copy of it, it's just like, I, I don't have a time travel machine yet. I'm working on it. It's just not running correctly. Ah. Just seems to go backwards. Right. Do you Um, have your, do you have your Hollywood moment? The one you still like, oh man, we did that. You know, those one, those little moments surprise me more often than not because, uh, you know, I, I like to go see movies and a lot of times, sometimes I won't even know what movie we're working on, right? Um, because we're dealing at such a granular level on with some of these um, folks and some of these productions, you won't really know what it is. But then all of a sudden you're watching a movie and I go, oh, oh, wow, that's, that's the breakaway clock that I made a couple months ago. Okay. That's, that's where that was. Uh, but you know, we've worked, we've done so many projects now for so many different TV shows and movies. It, it all starts to blend together and right. you know, kind of, kind of coalesces into just a big mass, but you know, we've done stuff for like the walking dead and Westworld, um, stranger things. Um, and even stuff for like, late night with uh, Seth Meyers, uh, the late night show with Stephen Colbert, you know, really random things like that. Uh, Nickelodeon's kids choice awards was, were just on uh, last weekend. And we did, um, uh, we, I would say augmented a couple of the blimps that you see that were given out as like the lifetime achievement wars, you know, one that's like 24 karat gold plated and has a Nickelodeon logo on it. Mm. Um, so we get a lot of weird, interesting props because we're a fabrication company that not only can do special effects, but we have a lot of different abilities in a lot of different areas. Um, And we're not scared to try to tackle it, but what that one special thing is, Oh man. So you don't have that one thing that you go, Oh my God, this is my most memorable. In other words, to this day, you still remember when you (laughs) saw that prop in that production, there's not one uh, that stands out in your mind. I think, you know, earlier in 
when when we started this business, those moments were really exciting because there was a lot of firsts. We did a lot of uh, we did a lot of work for a series of uh, Marvel shows that were on Netflix. Um, and this wasn't a long time ago, but we did a bunch of stuff for, um, yeah, I'm going to forget the name, uh, Jessica Jones and Luke uh, okay. Cage. Yeah. And they came to us with some very specific things. Like one, you wouldn't even think of it as a special effects prop, but they, they wanted a printer, just a, a like a, a inkjet printer to like print out some pages, but they couldn't wait for like a laser printer to spool up. That wasn't the right look. And so I took a real printer and I think my dad helped me with some of it too. We figured out a way to make it battery operated and you basically loaded in a pre-printed printed page and then off camera, somebody pushed a button and it would just basically spool out exactly at the right speed right. and on command over and over and over again. And, wow. you know, that's a prop. You wouldn't even think about something like that, right. um, you know, as a viewer, but, you know, we spent real time trying to figure out how to make this on-demand printer. So made the printer, made awesome. the, you know, it, it, you just sat it down. You didn't have to plug it into anything and it lit up and you pushed the button and it went and, you know, made a little instruction booklet for it. They made a video. Here's how you do it. And so it's like that level of detail went into those things and, and you see it on screen and it's like, Oh, there it was really just a quick second, but we did a lot of props for um, Jessica Jones that, that got some good screen time. And I, and I felt like that was a really, that was a fun show. And uh, the people with the props department there really kind of fell in love with us and gave us a lot of projects. So we, we had a good time making a lot of those. And some of them we still sell, on our website, like our, we have like a detonator, which is like a little switch box. That just yeah, I looked at that. Yeah. that <laughs> we originally designed a version of that for Jessica Jones. And then oh, after awesome. that, I was like, I think people would buy this. And wow. so that gets added to the site. Most of yeah. the props that you see, that's their, their, they were originally built for a movie or a TV show right. or theater program. And then after that's kind of come out, then we're kind of cleared to use it to be able to add it to our inventory. Right. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned uh, you, your dad helped you with that one thing. Has he helped? Has he been involved? Oh, yeah. in the, uh, so it's become now is your wife involved in the business? Cause I know she was a, a supporter, a strong supporter and advocate. I mean, is she involved in the business or not? Very early on, she was a big part of helping me with like the marketing and coming up with ideas. Right. And, and uh, when we first moved here to LA, she was spending a lot of nights in the shop, helping me paint and trim and cut and do right, things right. like that. Um, she is a very successful uh, corporate director now, and she's oh. got a pretty demanding job. And we also have uh, a six-year-old daughter, so wow. we're all very busy. And she 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 tells me a lot. She goes, "I really miss the days coming into the shop and helping you work." And right. so she doesn't get to do that as much as we'd like. But what about yeah. your dad? Is he uh, uh, continue to help you, or you just you go to him whenever you got something that's stumping you? Yeah, I when it gets when it comes to like interesting electronics projects, and I need something like that's you know needs to be you know just a beyond the range of like soldering some batteries and wires and lights together which i can totally do um i'll usually talk to my dad because he's retired he doesn't have anything else to do so you know so <laughs> you have two categories there's two categories on the website that i've never seen before in props or uh yeah props any costuming you have money and gold and cigarettes and cigars yeah and 
Money and gold, I didn't realize how important it was until I had to get a wad of hundreds. <laughs> yeah. And that was tough. Yeah. The cigarettes and cigars, how does how does this play in? And and in the money and gold part, because the stuff looks really real, especially the hundreds. You ever get somebody trying to like, can I buy a few and pass them off? Uh, only one time did I have somebody come in and they say, I need to buy your hundreds because I'm going to try to give them to my uh, landlord. <laughs> Absolutely. I will not sell this to you. And the fact right. that you told me that I should almost, you know, turn you in. I cannot be really mad that I wouldn't sell it. Oh, but no, they look so real, prop. man. They yeah, look this, so real. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, Secret Service will come visit you in there and not mess around. So, yeah, money props, uh, gold, all those things of value are, I mean, you see it so much in movies. Um, The the cigarettes and cigars, what's involved? That's that's an interesting story, actually. So we we created a product called Actor Cigarette, which um, right when the whole vaping thing first started, I found a company that could help me make a realistic looking cigarette that is a battery with an atomizer and a little cartridge in it that would basically create a non-toxic, non-nicotine, non-tobacco smoke vapor that you could breathe in and then blow out. And then, of course, the little tip lit up. And we spent a good deal of time developing this. It came in its own little pack, looked just like a pack of cigarettes. Um, the early versions, you plugged them into the wall and they could charge. And the later ones were just like USB. Right. And we sold those for years and years and years. We got we got them set up with um, with Broadway and the actors unions and stuff like that. We had to do all these like time and distance, you know, smoke haze studies and all that stuff so that it was approved for use on Broadway um, and all the, you know, all the actor unions. And so that was probably one of our number one selling products for a great deal of time up until like right before COVID hit, um, the federal government passed a law that was the, the, the goal of that law was to keep, you know, vapes and cigarettes and all this kind of stuff out of the out of the hands of kids, which I completely agree with. Absolutely. But the side effect in the language, in the way the Senate bill was uh, put together, essentially made it illegal for us to sell these things. Wow. Uh, so inadvertently, so, they kind of killed that aspect they, of your business. They have killed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you send them a thank you letter? I've sent a lot of people a lot of letters and you know how much i've heard back nothing absolutely yeah. zilch um yeah that's from what i understand the fda is not regulating it but the way the problem is the wording is so vague that it could be interpreted both ways and i right. always want to be on the right side of of course of history so right. we're trying to figure out a, a way to make sure that we can do that safely and effectively and be you know within the law and all of that so i haven't given up on it but right now our actor cigarette um, product is, is basically, it's still up for historical information and you know that, but we, you can't buy them right now because they've made it basically against the law to, to mail it through the mail. Really? And, and um, wow. you know, without getting into like alcohol, tobacco, firearms, registration, sure. like selling t- tobacco stuff. It's just bureaucracy, red tape. I understand. Yeah. Intent, but we're, you know, we're one little piece in a big, thing and, and right, they, right. they didn't know about us when they made no, it. No, of course not. Exactly. So um what what 
What's the secret to Ryan's uh, success? Um, always have three more things than you that than you can do in the hopper. Just have too many things going all the time. <laughs> I don't know. That's an that's it an interesting like that's, that's an interesting uh, approach because you know I mean you know a lot of people we've had a lot of our guests say that their the secret to their success is that they would say yes to everything and so that gave them the more opportunities uh, to try and figure out what it was that they wanted to do and and do to the best of their abilities. That's very much a part of it. Yeah, uh, you know I take on new projects with the idea of ooh this this allows me to learn more about that oh okay uh, so the like i took on a project the aspect of it yeah 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 if if it if it's a project that gives me the ability to buy a new toy like a new machine <laughs> or a new computer or some piece of equipment that i've always wanted but i never really had an excuse to get it you know i'll i'll take on that project just for solely the reason that i can add a new uh, dimension to our fabrication abilities or a new uh, skill for me to learn or for some of my other staff to learn. I absolutely love that about it. Sometimes it ends up backfiring and I end up, you know, spending all day and night trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to dig myself out of this hole? Cause the deadline's coming and man, nothing's working. Uh, just recently I put together uh, a simulated explosion effect for an escape room uh, called Escape wow. Revolution down in Los Angeles. And I don't want to give anything away, but there is a very realistic, very visceral, very loud explosion that basically happens almost every right. hour of wow. the day. That's and it great. resets and is all automatic and everything. And man, it was a nightmare to put together. Just oh, so sure. many little things that needed to be exactly right. But once we got it all put together, like the result is just spectacular. And I learned a lot. So there's two things we always ask. One, uh, because one of the listeners had, had suggested this. And one we asked because of the nature of the show. The first being, what was the hard part? Because most of our guests love what they do so much, like what they do so much. They never talk about the hard part, so we have to ask them. And most of them don't have a hard part, you find out. But what was the, the hard part in getting this to where you want it to be? Um, the hard part for me was really the business, like the hardcore business side of it. Um, you know, I've always figured out ways to make money and do all that, but but understanding like the mechanics of, you know, having a corporation, how do you deal with taxes? How do you invoice and bill properly? How do you set up PO systems? Um, how do you deal with inventory? You know, all that stuff is really difficult. And for me, I have found that it really depends on my team. I have to find somebody that I can trust with my business to help me out. Like I have a bookkeeper who is amazing and I just trust her and she can take care of those things. And when I, when something's going sideways, she'll let me know and I fix it and we move on. Um, but it's, it's really about having it surrounding yourself with a, a team of people that you trust and can depend on and know that they're doing their best work so that I can do my best work and we can do our work collectively for our customers. An and the other question is, are you still happy when you wake up to go to work? In <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? I, every day I wake up, I'm in, in my drive into work. I'm always chewing on Okay. How am I going to figure this out? 
Like every day I'm trying to solve a problem and it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. It's like, what creative solution can I come up with for doing that? And, and does it get tiring and repetitive? Yes, absolutely. I mean, even doing the best job in the world is going to get tiring and repetitive sometimes. And I'm, I'm going to turn 50 in a couple of weeks and uh, you know, things are more tiring than they used to be. Sure. <laughs> but, it happens um, to all of us, my friend. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, we still have people that come into the shop and they look around and their, their eyes just get wide and they're like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And that right there is what feeds me because that's what I wanted to be able to experience when I was a young filmmaker and the few places that I went down into LA, you know, like studio depot and, you know, a few of these random like rental places you walk in and you're just like, wow, this is amazing. But more often than not, my experience of going into those places were like, okay, I'm young. They don't take me serious. And it's very, uh, it's just kind of a scary situation going into these places. So especially for the young filmmakers, I love, I love seeing, we had a lot of UCLA students, um, cinema school students that come in, they're working on their thesis films and stuff like that. And we really try to give everybody the time and experience that we have to, you know, show them and give them as much information as we can. Yeah. Um, and not Let's hear, uh, in case there's somebody out there listening, um, what's your passion project that you want to get off the ground, especially is it a combination of, filmmaker and effects yeah actually somebody with the big bucks is listening uh, (laughs) well funny you should mention that so i'm working um with a cartoon a cartoonist named lee rubin and um him and i are uh working on a television series called drawing inspiration and this is a television series that talks about how um creative people find their inspiration to do what they do it probably you know, it lends very well into what you guys are doing, but sure. this is a uh, show all shot in uh, 180 uh, VR, virtual reality. So you'll put the headphones on and you'll get to be in that person's environment while we talk to them and try to understand what makes them tick, what what thing, what cool tools, what applications, what processes, what, what makes what they do work. And um, it's going to be... Uh, it, it, it's a it's a really interesting show. Lee and I have been working on it for for very many years, and uh, we're just starting to get into the production phase of it. And um, yeah, we're always looking for people that want to kind of help bankroll that project because we find that it's going to be um, it's really going to be special. And the fact that we're doing it all in virtual reality is, wow, is a real new media, and yeah. uh, it'll be very successful in that. Yeah, yeah. Well. Any uh, any sage advice you have for those out there that might want to try and jump into the field that you have, uh, you know, built a career out of? Um, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And you're mm-hmm. going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to have great. a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, uh, we have a lot of successful projects that maybe by the time it got done, it's like, wow, we didn't make a dime on that one, but we still delivered it. And the client was happy. That's a success for me. Yeah. You know, they'll probably come back or they'll tell somebody else. Yeah. Um, but my advice for a lot of people that want to know how to get into this business, there's no getting into the business. You just do it. Right. And at some point you look behind you and go, oh, uh, I guess I'm doing this now, you know? And that's kind of the weird thing. There's no switch that you flip that yeah. says, 
you are now part of the motion picture industry, sir. Uh, you just kind of keep working hard at it. And eventually you have enough years behind you and you go, gosh, I've worked on major motion pictures and television shows and theater productions. And, you know, our, our name is known. It, it just, it's just time and perseverance. Really. There's really nothing else to fantastic. do. Well, we're going to yeah. wrap this up here, uh, but before we do, uh, how can people, if they want to know more about New Rule or about Ryan Johnson, how, how do they go about finding you on the, the, the World Wide Web platform? The intertubes, as we call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, newrulefx.com is the place to get all the information. That's N-E-W-R-U-L-E the letter F, the letter X.com. And uh, it's not only for movie industry folks. Anybody can go on there and check out what we're selling. If you want to buy a six pack of breakaway bottles to smash over your friend's head during their next uh, birthday party or something like that, you can do that. Um, but just kind of going through the website's interesting to see some of the props and you'll probably recognize some from some movies that you've seen. And um, you can always send us a message through uh, any of the links there on our website at newrulefx.com. And they'll be able to find out about the project that you and Lee are doing together as well. Is that yes, right? there. Uh, yeah, through New Rule Effects, there's also a link to newrule.com, which is my production side. So there's New Rule Effects and then newrule.com. And newrule.com has um, a, bits of information about our shows and some of the other productions that I've done, like American Dragster and some science documentaries and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, and of course, shoot me an email. I uh, do my best to get back to everybody and uh, always happy to chat. Excellent. Well, Ryan Johnson, we want to thank you so much for coming. Yeah, this is great. This you, is like you have been a, a wonderful guest, very enlightening. And we thank you so much for joining. And, and we, we, we say to our listeners out there, if you've got a story like Ryan's that you'd like to share with us, please, you know, uh, hook up with us on our website, dowhatyoulike.biz, and let us know. Or if you just want to, you know, say thanks for putting on a great show. We appreciate it. Ryan, thank you so thank much, you. sir. Thanks, Ryan. What a pleasure. Stay thank safe. you so much for having me. I appreciate Great it. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, really stay safe, be well, and have fun out there, my friend. And break Sounds more good. glass. And break more glass. <laughs> Always. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again. You bet. Thank you.